Hello and welcome back to the Glossier Week in Review podcast. I'm Zafia Zviglinska, international fashion reporter, replacing Danny Parisi today, who is out on holiday. And I'm here with Glossy Editor-in-Chief Jill Manoff. Today we're talking about the executive shakeup at Gucci and what is next for the brand, whether Ralph Lauren's price increase is a good thing or not, um, as well as the annual list list and which brands have come out on top. Hi Jill, how are you doing? Hi, Sophia. Excited to chat. How are you? Yeah, great. Really happy to be hosting today. Uh, So let's jump into the first topic of um, this Week in Review podcast around Gucci. So there's been a lot of changes happening at Kering and Gucci specifically, which I would say is probably the brand's the biggest brand coming from um, Kering. And CEO Marco Bizzari, who has been with the brand since 2015, is leaving in September and being replaced temporarily with two deputy CEOs while I'm guessing that they choose someone else to replace him. Um, Bizzari was the architect of Gucci's kind of growth between 2015-2019, kind of in their you know, big time heyday um, when Alessandro Michele was with the brand, doing all of these kind of incredible kooky collections. Um, However, the brand has failed to kind of bounce back as strongly, I guess, as the rivals like LVMH after the pandemic. Um, And as part of these kind of shifts happening within the company, they've already appointed a young designer, um, Sabate Desano, as creative director after Alessandro Michele left last year after seven years with the brand. And as part of the changes, Francesca Bellatini, um, who has run fast-growing fashion label Yves Saint Laurent since uh, 2013, has been named Kering's deputy CEO in charge of brand development because that's something that she has done really, really well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on um, for YSL. So what do you think, Jill? Do you think this is like the sign of a new decade for Gucci? Are they clearing out the cobwebs? Ugh. There's so much movement in management on these luxury brands. It's an exciting time. I almost, I feel bad, I want to say, for Marco because, you know, I listen to him on podcasts and he's definitely like serving as this Gucci face of the brand for quite some time. He is a likable human. Um, He worked wonders to catapult Bottega Bottega back in the day. He's been with Caring for 18 years. Um, And so the work he did there, the work then he did with Gucci, I mean, uh, I think that he's going to land somewhere, assuming he wants to, um, because he's clearly very powerful. And I think in this situation, um, you know, Gucci investors, they want to see movement. If, If they don't, they're not seeing the growth, that they are expecting, then better do something fast. I think he's this casualty where Caring had to make a big move. Investors were very happy about it um, based on stock stock and, and movement there. But he, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Francesca Bellatini, what a, <laughs> the most powerful woman in fashion, some people are saying now, like that was a big jump. And yes, she's done amazing things for St. Laurent. So I'm that I've never, I don't know if that um, role exists across in other conglomerates, but um, yeah, it's major. Excited to see what she does. Yeah, I just forgot it's Yves Saint Laurent has been Saint Laurent now for a good couple of years. I keep saying it with Yves. I I just feel like it sounds better. And the YSL (laughs) logo is so much better. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. rest in peace. 
Yeah, and I think with Gucci, it's not the only executive shakeup they've had. I know that, um, you know, following Gucci's Web3 efforts, which have also kind of grown over the last couple of years, um, Robert Trifus, um, who was one of the executives in charge of their Web3 efforts, left for Stone Island, um, I believe it was in May 2023. So it has been a little bit of a shake-up shake up on that side as well. Um, and I don't think that they've had anyone else step into that position. So I'm wondering if that also will have consequences for what they're doing um, in terms of Web3. Um, or whether, you know, they will find someone else who will take on that challenge as well. So interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's such a like um, growing, I guess, area, but it's still very, very slow. Um, that whole Web3 effort from luxury brands, you know, you had LVMH go into the space recently with their collection of very, very expensive trunks um, and NFTs. But there hasn't really been that much more movement since. So I'm wondering if they're going to kind of keep pushing into that space. What do you think? Yeah, that's a definitely a possibility. And a lot of our stories that we're going to talk about today really intertwine because it was interesting to me that SL, not YSL, <laughs> is um, above Gucci in this list index of hot brands. Like, Hello. Um, that was interesting. And also, uh, you know, I, it's hard. We talk about brands with the kind of the Tom Ford era of Gucci and the now we'll have the Alessandro era of Gucci. I really think that Marco, they had that amazing Cinderella story where he like, I, I read about it. Was it in the Times? I don't know. It was a, an amazing profile about how they came together. He pulled him out of the, <laughs> I don't know, the workshop of, of, of <laughs> Gucci in, in the handbag division. And he had gone to his house and he saw this amazing um I guess, world that he had created, which it all worked together. It was all luxury. It was all unique. And he saw the 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 world that he could bring to Gucci. And, and they just became this dynamic duo. And so I don't know if that like pegging them together <laughs> maybe hurt him in the end when Alessandro era is over. And also, I mean, I feel like designers, because there's such a demand for newness, in this instance, it reminds me of like Taylor Swift and having her eras. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> maybe like every season you have to do something a little bit like you, you, of course you can't keep doing the same thing over and over, but to kind of transform the look because definitely Alessandro had a look and it definitely, um, people got tired of it. Mm, yeah. I think that there is kind of a new decade coming from for Gucci and definitely a, a new aesthetic, I would assume, something that at the beginning will probably connect what Alessandro did with something new. And then hopefully if Sabate is given kind of free reign, you know, will showcase something coming from a very young um, and interesting designer who's also quite um, under the radar. I don't think he's done too much yet, which is also interesting for a brand like Gucci who previously has gone for quite big name um, designers, you know, like Tom Ford or Alessandro. It's going to be a big fashion fashion month. So many designers make, doing their um, debut collection. So anyway, we'll have a lot to talk about. Definitely. And with YSL, I think one thing to mention is that it has been kind of creeping up slowly but surely. Um, and I think it's all down to their strategy, which has been improving year on year. I think they've, in the last 10 years, they've grown their revenue from 500 million to 2.5 
billion, which is insane. And they've kind of stepped up their product category. They've focused on localized um, retail businesses. And they've invested in manufacturing in Italy, which is also something a lot of brands are doing right now, kind of taking ownership of their supply chains. Um, So I think it's interesting, you know, if Gucci is going to do the same thing. I think they've already got a big focus on craftsmanship. So I'm wondering if they're going to pull some inspiration um, from those things happening over at YSL. Um, Do you have anything else to mention, Jill? No, you're right. I read the same thing about St. Laurent's growth with uh, six-fold growth between, what was it, 2013 and 2022. Anyway, wowee. So yeah, big, big things. Hopefully, Francesca can maintain that trajectory across brands. That would be great. Yeah, that would be really interesting to see. So let's move on to our second topic. Ralph Lauren, the American brand, is raising prices. um, And it's quite significant. Um, I think since 2018, the American brand has increased the average price of its goods by about 80%, which to me sounds insane. Again, how can you, um, I guess, increase prices over five years by 80%? That feels like a really, really big amount. Apparently, it's part of their strategy to um, elevate the brand to make it a more luxury offering. Um, and they're also pushing into other categories like home goods. So I think it's it's interesting to see if this approach is going to work from them. And initial kind of analyst reactions have been that it hasn't really paid off so far. So far, the um, margins for the last quarter were 61%. So it's kind of low. Um, I think that for a brand of this size, I would expect that that elevation would lead to more sales. Um, And at the moment, it still hasn't. So Jill, do you think that this is something that is going to work out for them long term? Or do you think it's a little bit preemptive? This brand is so confusing to me. P.S. (laughs) They have so many labels, like this label of Ralph Lauren, this label. So it's like, are they raising them 80% across the board, including like the Macy's level Ralph Lauren, (laughs) Polo Ralph Lauren? Like, I don't know. Like, it's very unclear. Um, But yeah, I think that the main objective is getting out of that middle area. Like whether you consider, consider yourself contemporary or advanced contemporary or accessible luxury, like all of those guys are, are seeing, um, they're being squeezed is what we like to say, but they're they're struggling. So if you're not luxury right now, you, you want to be luxury. You're seeing that that is kind of bulletproof in the up and down economic times. Um, or you want, for better or worse, you want to be El Cheapo. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that getting out of that middle area is the name of the game. Also, they have big, big plans uh, for for growth in in segments that are um, thriving. We know they're opening stores in India and they are expanding to Europe and they're expanding further in in the US and um, opening more restaurants, um, which is interesting. People want services and experiences and all the things. So I think they're doing some things right. But yeah, an 80% leap is a very big leap. And I don't know unless you're shopping the top label, <laughs> I don't know that you're going to want to spend um, 80% more on on Ralph at this time. Yeah. And this is coming at a time when the brand is also kind of coming back to fashion week after a hiatus. I think that's 
four years now since they've been at New York Fashion Week. So it's going to be a big season for them. Um, and I'm based here in the UK and I've seen them doing a lot of stuff with Wimbledon and tennis. Um, I think a big, big influencer push was part of this year's strategy. And obviously Ralph Lauren is the um, partner for Wimbledon. So there's a lot of kind of kit and um, outfits that are focused specifically on tennis um, and it's kind of luxury appeal. Ariana Grande wore it, right? I remember that. Yeah, I think she came for the last day of Wimbledon um, just to see the men's final. And there was a lot of celebrity guests. Um, I'm assuming most of them would be wearing Ralph Lauren. (laughs) And I guess my main question around Ralph Lauren also is like whether the quality meets the the prices that they are looking to charge people. Um, For me, I think that there's still some ways to go in in terms of Ralph Lauren. And I think that with their manufacturing, some of it's based in Italy, but most of it still isn't. I'm not quite sure if the premiumization of their product shouldn't come with also improving some of the quality of their items um, or else, you know, going into slightly different materials so that expanding on that typical polo range um, and all of the kind of products that come with that. So I'm wondering, like, maybe they need to um, change up their strategy around, you know, where they're producing and how they're producing their clothes. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that they are talking about having done so or um, their executives are saying, um, in order to justify the cost, we are elevating our product. I'm not sure in what way, if that is materials, you would one would think, <laughs> and production. Um, it's also funny to me, a lot. there are a lot of reports out there that, sa- that say the brand also plans to sell luxury home goods, rounding out its portfolio. Dude, <laughs> it's sold luxury home goods for a very long time. Like it has couches, mm. sofas on its website for $15,000 to $20,000. I would think that's luxury. I don't know what exactly the expansion is that people are talking about. I, I bought a Ralph Lauren lamp like six years ago. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, um, but maybe it's further expanding it. Um, but they do have a pretty round portfolio as is, I would say. Hmm. Maybe they're going more into like accessories and soft furnishings, which typically kind of can command higher margins, um, even though they might not be as big ticket items like furniture. I think we can move on to our final topic of our week in review. And this is around the list index, which comes out every year and it charts some of the most popular products and brands in the luxury space. And it's come out this week. Um, So just a little bit around the formula around how the list um, index kind of comes to life. It takes it into account the shopper's behavior. So searches on and off the platform and list basically allows you to search for a lot of different products um, on its site across many, many different retailers. Very good for sales, product views and sales, and then to track the brand and product heat, which I'm assuming it just means their popularity. Um, The formula also incorporates social media mentions, activity and engagement statistics over a three month period. So I think it's a quarterly thing. And this one is obviously quite key um, as there's been a lot of changes within the luxury brand space. So Jill, what do you think of the um, nominees so far, which I think the top three labels are Lueve, Prada and Versace, but obviously the top 10 is where it's also quite interesting to see the movers up and down. It's, I love this list. It's just so fun. It gets people talking. Everybody's writing about it. I think that the winner of this list 
is Jonathan Anderson. Lueve is number one. And J.W. Anderson made the into the top 20. Two of his brands. And he's number one. Hello. Anyway, he's creative director, y'all. <laughs> and the top three were not surprising. Um, I would say it was just interesting who was not in the top 10. Like Louis Vuitton was not in the top 10. Uh, Chanel is nowhere to be found on this top 20 list, which again... I don't know that that's surprising, but it does say something about um, these big brand moments and how they translate to sales. Like they just had that huge show in LA and trying to appeal to Gen Z. Um, I don't know. And Louis Vuitton with Pharrell, but his collections, you know, are just seeping into the market. So um, TBD, how that kind of pans out. What did you think? Yeah, I think it's a little bit early. Obviously, with the last three months, I think the the brands who are probably would have done well would be the ones who did really well in that first month. Um, and I think Luevi really kind of topped those lists. They've also got quite a lot of like accessible products which are selling particularly well. So like the um, Anagram tank top, which has got like the Luevi logo like right in the center, um, as well as its um, raffia tote bag, which I'm assuming most people would have bought for the summer season. Um, and I think Versace is obviously the main one I would say to, to note because it. I would say that before... Before last year, Versace was kind of one of those brands that did very, very well in the logo mania space, but it wasn't as quiet luxury as some of the other brands or its fellow competitors. Um, and I think now with the new direction, with the recent collection that came out, I think it focused a tiny bit more on tailoring. Um, and it seems to have done very well. Obviously, now it's the fastest riser. Um, maybe that's also in part to the brand ambassadors like Dua Lipa, but I think that it's also just the product offering. It's become slightly more tailored to what people would expect from luxury um, and perhaps a step away from the logo heavy Versace that I, I think most people would know and love. <laughs> yes, logo mania is officially over. Although there are some small logos here, um, I would say <laughs> A couple, many of them would classify as quiet luxury, which we talk about a lot, including Loro Piana, the cap, and these, the row flats or sandals. Um, interesting to me also, you mentioned the affordability. Um, I noticed that too. And also, um, we talk about see now, buy now, and whether brands need to do that as, um, you know, things become immediately accessible on Instagram and on social platforms after people see them online. And should they just make them available because people are excited? But this kind of speaks to the fact that people do need, just like designers like to tell us, sometimes I question it, um, but that people kind of need to let it simmer and let kind of like give it a few months, a few weeks. And like, it has to kind of grow on them before they make the purchase because this um, Lueve tank top, that's number one. First of all, I wouldn't say it's affordable, but if you want to wear something with a luxury brand's logo, it's like 380. Um, but it came out for spring 2022 originally. And I remember seeing it on Net-A-Porter's seasonal presentation um, as like a an item they bought heavily into for spring 2022. So that's been around a while. The Lueve tote has been around for a while. Um, so good investments. <laughs> I don't know if you buy it now, if it'll be still be hot in, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. But maybe if you can keep that white tank top clean, 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> I love that one a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, no surprises. What else? Yeah. New Balance sneakers are still hot. Somewhat surprising, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think that's probably still popular. I think the only other, I guess it would be a kind of obvious drop is that Bottega's dropped to fifth. That's obviously because of the fact that there's been a change in designer. I'm also interested to see over the next couple of um, list index um indexes over the next couple of months whether Burberry will end up climbing up a little bit with the new creative director their show was quite well received and I'm sure they're going to be more doing more interesting things um, as those collections start seeping into stores right on and go skims they've held up they were on the list last quarter um they're never number 17 I don't know why I'm rooting for Kim Kardashian but just that it's a, lo- a more accessible brand and it is it has kind of taken, it's caught on among Gen Z, among everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's about it. Because it's accessible, we'll take it. Yeah. I mean, accessible luxury um, or even accessible clothing right now is just very, very hot. I think that most people are looking for things that are good investments for a long time um, and skims. Whatever you say about the brand, it does tend to do very well um, and the quality is there. Um, So great. I think that that's all of our topics for this week. Um, Thank you, Jill, so much for being here and thank you to all of our listeners. If you haven't yet, please rate and review the Glossy Podcast on whatever platform you use. Um, It really helps us a lot to see what you think. And make sure to subscribe. Not only will you hear weekend review every Friday with me and Danny or me and Jill or Jill and Danny, um, but Jill and our senior fashion reporter, Danny, interview fashion industry insiders every Wednesday. Who do you have, Jill? on the next episode. Next episode is very fun. It is with Brett Heyman, who is the founder and creative director at Edie Parker, which started as um, known for those acrylic clutches that are mid-century modern and so cool. But also she's expanded to Flower by Edie Parker, um, which is cannabis adjacent accessories. And also there's this amazing bag that has, it's called the burn bag. It has a pull out lighter and I need one in my life. Anyway, fun conversation. Check it out. Brilliant. Thank you so much. 